Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the One Step Better Podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, and with me this week is our great friend, Gregory Henderson, the HR expert, the leader of all things people, and uh, a a beard grower. Yeah. Looking good. Thank you. Yours too. I always wonder, because you're bald, but you have a beard, how do you decide- Perceptive of you. Where the, right? How do you decide where the beard and and the bald hair, like that line, and like that's your cutoff? I always wondered that. How do you decide that? Um, just convenience, actually. Just wh- whoever has the clippers gets so to decide. So I shave in the shower. My he- I shave my head in the shower, and so because I don't have a mirror, I just go what by my ear. Whatever feels. This is right, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. All right. I'm taken, so I don't really care. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It, 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 when Amanda says, "Hey, I need you to change that," that's when. That's when, when you change it. it. That's right. Yeah. Oh, so you're growing a beard. You don't want to be kissed this month. Okay, great. Yeah, right, right. Well, so today on this week's episode, um, we are going to talk about a principle that we teach in one of our um, HR series called OnRamp. Uh, and it's the idea that everybody in an organization needs to be able to kind of have an understanding of what's going on around them, um, some sense of awareness. We call that being a pulse taker. And so we're going to talk about that, especially in light of the holiday season that's coming up and, and what some leaders and, and owners um, need to be aware of as they go out and lead their teams. But before we do that, we got to start with something a little more upbeat, a little more fun. So Gregory, question of the day, question of the week, is what is or what was your favorite game to play as a kid? I have a few, but when you first asked that question, the immediate vision I got was sitting in a circle and waiting for somebody to pick me. Duck, duck, duck goose. Duck, duck, goose. Yeah. I love that one, mainly because I couldn't run very fast, but I could run short distances really fast. So I'm like, yeah. You're nope. a sprinter. I was a sprinter. So no hide-and-go-seek. I always got got uh, always got tagged. But duck, duck, goose, yeah. I mean, you could not, – I'm not cheating, right? You know, I'm, I'm not throwing my hand behind me and trying to, and, trip, the and person. Trying to trip them and then tag. Nope. I can chase you down in a little bit because I could – you know, I – good short burst speed that You're was very my favorite. agile that was my favorite game really that's interesting i i did not enjoy duck duck goose very much i don't know why we never really played it too much and then red rover red rover that was a fun one yeah and you would just try your hardest to break those people's arms destroy them as you're running across yeah and yeah. i was i i was very very tiny growing up very very tiny um i did not I, so here, here's a great idea. So I joined the Army at 18 years old at 125 pounds. So if you think, so I was, you know, very, very tiny, very, very small, and I loved that game. You just get clotheslined? <laughs> I would get clotheslined all the time. Oh, man. No, yeah. I would run through that. Uh, that was a fun one. My favorite game was hide-and-go-seek. I wasn't very fast, but I was willing to hide just about anywhere. Uh, my favorite place to hide growing up was we played hide and seek in my neighborhood, and I would get on our roof. I would climb up on our roof, and nobody would find me. And then whenever like the person who is finding everybody is kind of far enough away, I would jump off the roof and run to base. And uh, it was it was a fun game. I loved I love playing hide and go seek. We play it now with the kids in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's always like you know where in the world can you find yourself where nobody else is around? I love that game. Yeah, we do um, upstairs. We just turn the lights off and we play hide and go seek in the dark. Yeah, um, and so that's always fun. 
um, because, you know, I've got multiple ages. And so the six-year-old is, is, you know, trying to find you and it's, it's dark and you can hide in the corner. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Hide and go seek uh, with a Nerf gun takes it to another level. Yeah. So as soon as somebody like comes around trying to find you, just start shooting them. Yep. And then, uh, and then we whenever you're reverse. playing with kids, then you start shooting your five-year-old, six-year-old. It uh, They don't want to f- come find you very right. often. <laughs> and then if we're out in a park or somewhere, we play the reverse hide-and-go-seek, which is called sardines. Yes. Yeah. So no running, right? Yep. The Have you ever played hide-and-go-seek in your car? So the concept here is you get a group together. You state your boundaries, whatever it is. Let's say it's going to be Bartlett or Memphis or whatever. It's got to be a little bit more, you know, more restrictive than the entire city, uh, but you go hide somewhere. It can't be like in a garage with the door closed. You have to be somewhere that your car is visible and you do a conference call and everybody's calling into the same phone number um, or, you know, I guess back then it was a three-way call and you just kept adding lines and lines and lines. Right. And everybody's on the phone together and you're driving around town trying to find everybody. That was a fun one. Wow. Yeah, that'd be fun. We should do that at the company day. Yeah, it's not easy, especially in a big city. Right. Well, we'd have to, you know, go to a smaller, maybe go to Arlington and say, "Hey, Arlington <laughs> your, is your uh, your hiding space." Yeah, it's a fun game. It's a fun game. So, it'd be fun. Anyway, anyway, um, games are always fun. Uh, we like to play games. We like to play games in the workplace. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes that when we play games in the workplace, some people like it, some people don't. We have really competitive people. We have people that aren't so competitive. And uh, as leaders, call them losers, right? a little bit, right? <laughs> you can't can't say that publicly, though. Um, but as leaders, we have to keep our you know keep our our eyes on those people. So that way, we can know who is going to enjoy games like that, who's not going to enjoy games like that. And in our world, we call that being a pulse taker. And so this idea came out of a um, a book that I read a long time ago that was talking about second chair leaders, people who aren't necessarily the primary leader. How can they support their leaders the best way? How can they support their organizations the best way? And one of the concepts is be a pulse taker. A pulse taker is somebody who simply understands what's going on at all times, not because people are actively coming to them and saying, hey, Michael, you need to be aware of this or that, but they just have a genuine intuition about how the culture is heading. In your leadership experience, you've had many opportunities to lead small teams, big teams, every, everything in between. How have you always try to make sure that you kind of keep your eye on what's going on? How do you keep your, your ear to the ground to really get a good pulse of, of how things are operating? Yeah, that's I love the second hat leader um, kind of philosophy that you, we talked about when I first got here. I, I love that because it kind of it goes back to how I was kind of learned and, and trained in the Army was this, you have to be the eyes and ears of your command. And so the, the different positions that I was in, you either had your eyes and ears on a small team or you had your eyes and ears on the whole battalion, you know, 800, 1,000 people. And it was really interesting because it didn't matter the size. It mattered the method that you went about it. The method that I found was most successful was just having average conversations about absolutely nothing. Because if you're willing to have a a conversation about absolutely nothing with me, then I could judge your morale off that. If you're stressed out and you don't care to talk about the game last night, well, then I can figure that out as well. So I think as leaders, if we could just 
don't shy away from benign conversations, right? Just, hey, we're just shooting the breeze. I think that will tell us a lot about where our pulse is at the company level. There's a, a book called The Cultural Culture Code. Uh, Daniel somebody, I forget his last name, um, wrote it. He, he calls this belonging cues, hmm. that whenever we're able to have conversations with people and they'll always open up or maybe they don't open up, whatever it is, those are your cues to understand exactly how that person's feeling. But in order to do that well, you have to be a really good listener. And so it's important that not as leaders that we don't only just, you know, hog the airtime and we're always talking to our people and we're, you know, trying to coach them up or whatever it may be. But we have to spend time actually getting to know them, what you're talking about, and listening to them, but listening kind of between the lines of right. you may be saying X, but you really mean Y. Um, if somebody's coming to you and saying how excited it is that they are to go home and see their family, that's great. But you also need to pick up on the fact that the other 11 months of the year, they, they're missing their family. That's right. And so as a leader, how can we you know, build systems or build praise or whatever it may be around those things to encourage our team? I find it really difficult to listen actively. It's not something I'm super good at. How can I get better? Do it more. <laughs> Just practice. It, it's it's it, it's not a good answer, right? I mean, we used to ask people all the time, "How do you get better at doing more push-ups?" Do more push-ups, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's the same thing about conversations. Once you realize that it, it should flow naturally, and you'll it, it's it's interesting. It's it's listening without judging, and that's a huge piece. How do you overcome that? Because we all judge. If you're listening to me, and I can get the the idea that you're you're really hearing me, and active listening, what you know, we've all been taught, you rephrase what I just said in your own words. Hey, did I hear you correctly? Is this what you said? That feedback that we get, that's active listening. You can only get better at active listening by having more conversations, and so it's tough if you're shy if it, it's tough if you're not involved in a team that you feel safe to talk about or talk around so i think again it, it all I'm, I'm kind of repeating myself over and over again because i keep saying this in, in any form i i talk about is we have got to get back to i need to know you as a leader and how do i do that it's because i, I want to know you as a leader i'm taking an active decision to concentrate on what makes you tick. I think that's important as a leader because all that is just, it's involved in it. Active listening, getting to know you, how, if I get to know you, you're exactly right. You're happy one month out of the year. Why? Well, it's because you get to go home. The biggest problem that I run into with this is that I like to interject in conversations quickly. So we, you know, we talk about internally, we talk about the disc profile. I'm a high D, like super high D, and my S is super low, which means that I'm quick to make decisions. I'm a little more fast paced, quick to action. And I care not as much as I should about the ramifications of those decisions. How this plays out in one-to-one -one conversation for me is whenever we're talking about something, I like the facts. Like, let's get to the point. Let's get to the facts. Let's not, I don't need a bunch of fluff. I don't need a bunch of stuff to lead up to the facts. Let's get to the facts. 
Nobody else on my team is like that. Nobody. I don't have a single person on the team that I lead that has a high D and low S. They are the polar opposite of me. They're all low D and high S's. And so whenever they come to talk about maybe it's an issue that they need help with or it's just normal conversations, they're they're giving me all of the details plus every other fact, opinion, whatever it may be around those details. And I am sitting there like a dog that you're making to sit while you're feeding, you know, pouring the, the food in the bowl, just ready to go, ready to go, ready to go. And I have a I have trouble with Casey and I, we have this this conversation often where I'm just ready to jump in and all right, so this is the answer to that, or this is what you're trying to say, but you're taking 10 years to say it. I struggle with that because my natural style of communication is let's get quick to the point and we'll figure out the rest, you know, as we need to. That's so comforting to hear because I have that same problem on the on the opposite spectrum. You like to use a lot of words. I, use, I like to use a lot of words. Yeah. So I don't get to the facts. And so how I combat that is I when I'm like, if I have a one-on-ones and I, I know there's a there's an agenda there, there's supposed to be an agenda yeah. there in, in the one-on-ones, but if I don't have something written down, questions that I really want to ask, you know, get to know you questions or heart questions or professional development questions, whatever the agenda is for that one-on-one, I'll blow it. I'll miss it. I'll keep talking and and they'll let me keep talking because I am engaging and, and, and I do have great stories that, that kind of at some point may lead to a story, right? may lead to a point. But if I don't write those things down and literally have it in front of me and saying, hey, you know, these are the five questions I really want to ask today. Um, we're going to get through a lot of it, but these are the five things that I really need to get to. Um, if I don't do that, I, I, I'm awful at Well, at you're the super high I. And as such, the, the fault of people or, you know, the knock on people that are super high eyes is they like to talk about everything in the world, but they don't like to act on anything in the world. Right. And so we can talk about a problem all day, but we're never going to get around to actually fixing the problem, um, which is, you know, we talk about that when we, when we go through kind of disc training and, and different styles. And it, it's, uh, it plays out in real life all the time. Shelby, who we've talked, you know, she's been on the podcast multiple times. We were at a conference um, this a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things that she said, we were talking, I forget even what we were talking about, but what she said really stuck with me. She said, Mike, sometimes I don't know if we're just chit-chatting or if you're coaching me up because like, we'll talk about something and I just flip a switch and it's like, well, let's fix this or let's talk about this. How can we make it better? And I naturally just move into that mode and I don't ever realize that, you know what, we were just we were just talking and she's like, I'm not looking for advice or opinions or anything. We were just talking like, Oh, that's not how my brain naturally right. works. I just wanted to play checkers. You're playing chess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it, it, it helped me realize, you know what? Sometimes I just need to slow down and just be present right? because when, especially when it comes to being a pulse taker, being present and hearing the people that you're working with and not trying to jump in and lead conversations you start to gain empathy that you otherwise wouldn't have whenever you're just you're listening to fix or you're listening to correct or you're listening to, to solve something right. to do something and it that is a big struggle in my world w the way in which i battle this the way that i combat it is i ask a bunch of questions i love asking questions 
And so you may go off on a tangent about who knows what, and I'm just going to start asking questions because it forces me to shut up and actually get you to open up. And the more that you're talking, the more opportunity I have to not jump in. And it's, it's an exercise, no doubt. I have to actively keep myself back because I do want to jump in. Yeah. I mean, again, my agenda slides, right? I mean, if I don't write it down, um, we will never get to... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we will never get to where we where we should be getting into uh, during that one-on-one coaching. A couple of other things I, I think is important uh, as a pulse taker. It's important that you mix and mingle some of your interactions. As leaders, it is easy to get in a rhythm of talking with or, or hanging out with people that may be just your direct reports or in your department or on your same you know, leadership team, whatever it may be. And if you really want to get a good understanding of the culture of your organization, the feel of how things are going, it's important to mix and match those interactions, not just with the people you're dealing with on a daily basis or weekly basis, but go around the room and, and to, or the building or wherever it is and talk to everybody or, or people in different roles in different departments because you're going to start to get a better understanding of how the interconnectedness of the organization is as a whole. I find that really, really fun because that's when I start to learn the most because right. I'll start to hear, All right, this is what that team is doing. I never really realized how maybe that could impact this over here. As somebody who has responsibility over an entire organization, it's super important for me to get that type of feedback and understanding because if I just stick to where I'm at, I lose sight of, of the bigger picture a lot of times. Yeah, I love that. Um, I would add that if you have peers – at the same leadership level that you're at, that's a great conversation to have with those as well. Hey, I, this happened with my team. Have you ever experienced something of that nature? Because I think, um, especially in the leadership position, we have a tendency to think that because our team is doing so well or, or doing so poorly, that it's 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 system-wide. It's mm -hmm. every team is doing awful or, or every team is doing awesome. So I think that's it's a nice conversation to have to make sure that, hey, are are we all speaking the same message from the top down and the bottom up? Um, so I think, yes, absolutely go around to other departments, but also figure out that peer level, that peer-to-peer -peer level to make sure that we're, hey, iron sharpens iron at that level. As you do that, you're naturally going to come across situations that are a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit awkward, um, maybe sometimes even confrontational of, you know, I hear you, what you're saying and it's not super positive. Maybe it's not, you know, doesn't reflect positively on me as a leader. Maybe it doesn't reflect positively on our organization as a whole. As you learn those things, what do you do with it? Um, it depends on what you learn. Uh, so if you learn something that's betterment for the team, Absolutely. Right. So, you know, take that, own it and say, yeah, if I'm that's that's a shortcoming in my area. Right. So I've got a block here or maybe I was thinking something totally different. And so, yes, a peer or even an employee came to me and said, hey, listen, this is you're not doing what we need you to do at this particular phrase or situation or whatever. A good leader, again, you know, I, I think good leaders are subjective as long as you have a great attitude from the beginning that you want to be a good leader. So a good leader would take those, take that, you know, constructive feedback, that de development piece that says, hey, 
I messed up. I, I, I missed this. I messed up and own it and take it and then show the team, hey, it's okay to mess up because we can learn from our mistakes. It's counter what I call counterculture. There is no accountability in the world anymore. There's, there's nobody wants to take responsibility. And so if you are truly trying to be a pulse taker for your company, you've got to show your employees, your team, that, hey, I mess up all the time, but I can learn from it. And this is what happens when we mess up. We own it. We take responsibility for it. And we figured out how to do it better the next time. Because you're really starting to develop. This is the natural rhythms of who we're going to be. Whenever there is a problem and I say, hey, I screwed something up, then I'm giving the freedom to everybody else to do the same exact thing. And if you're trying to build an organization where you don't cover up mess ups, you don't cover up failures, then it's really important, you know, top down, bottom up to be able to raise your hand and say, hey, this is something that didn't go well. Um, I also think it's important that you you confront the awkwardness whenever you do come across a situation that is a little bit awkward. Part of being a pulse taker is absolutely learning and, and hearing and listening and learning what's going on in the organization, but it's also meant to drive some type of action. And so if, at, you know, as you learn different situations, you may, you know, you may overhear a conversation in the break room about how bad the coffee is well, is that a battle that you want to fight? Do you want? Do you need to go get better coffee? It could be a, a real concern. The um, you know, in Ted Lasso, which is a great show that I think is absolutely hilarious. Apple TV. Apple TV. Yeah, if you buy an Apple device, you get free Apple TV, or you could subscribe. I would recommend doing it just for Apple TV. They are not a sponsor. They are not a sponsor. Yet. Another underrated show on Apple TV is Schmigadoon. Um, it's pretty funny, but nobody knows about it. So anyway. Can you say that one more time? Schmigadoon. Schmigadoon. It is a musical that's not a musical. It's <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's a bunch of S and anyway. The, um, Ted Lasso, <laughs> what I was really originally talking about. There's a, um, there's a scene in Ted Lasso in, in the first season in which, you know, Ted Lasso is a American football coach that goes to uh, England to coach a soccer team and has no clue. And it's just, it's a comedy. It's hilarious. But one of the things that he does to try to build the culture of the team is he puts a suggestion box and everybody puts like just really not appropriate, bad things that aren't related to real suggestions in the box. But somebody says, hey, the water pressure sucks. And so without saying anything to anybody, he goes and fixes the water pressure in the showers. And so the showers are now working appropriately. And that act, in, you know, in within the episode, that act is kind of a a moment for one of the characters to really see, hey, maybe there's something to this guy. Those are the moments that just being a pulse taker, being aware of what people are doing is can really pay off because you'll learn things that are, in your world, pretty minimal. They don't require a bunch of effort to fix, but it's something that's going to impact people more than what you could really realize. Now, I know that Ted Lasso is a TV show and it's a made-up story. But I, I know for, for myself, there's countless examples of that where I've, I've learned about, in passing, nothing like a suggestion box type of thing, but I've heard somebody say something about whatever it is. And it's like, man, that's a point of friction on my team that has no reason to exist. And I have the power and control to change it. And it's a really low cost thing to change. Those moments when we can go in and show our team, hey, you know what? I'm aware of 
seemingly insignificant things and I want to fix them for you, you're going to earn some chips with your team. That's going to be a really solidifying, cohesive moment for them to move forward. That's what, in my opinion, being a pulse taker is about. Having, having an understanding of your, your organizational culture and feel so that you can find little ways to always uh, reinforce and, and energize the things that you want to be you know, uh, repeated, as well as squash the things that you don't, you don't want to have repeated. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I, the pulse taker from the organization perspective um, is super hard. It, the the farther you know, we say this all the time, the farther you get away from the 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 line people, the people who are actually doing the day to day activities, the farther your position removes you from that that level, it's super difficult. And so you have to be deliberate in it. You have to make sure that you understand. Hey, it, it's almost a, a KRA. Yeah, it should be a KRA for uh, that for that leader at that level. Um, and then uh, you know. You almost have to schedule on your calendar. You have to be intentional, yeah, because it won't happen otherwise. Right. You know, one of the things we've we've turned the page to December. Uh, we're coming up on holiday season. One of the things that you know I would encourage leaders out there to think about is we're about to move into a holiday season that uh, that affects and treats everybody on their team a little bit differently. Um, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you know celebration in in December that you, uh, uh, you you may celebrate. Some people get really excited about those things. Other people, these are devastating moments of remembrance of loss, uh, reflecting on a year that may not have been appropriate or positive. It, it affects everybody differently. You know, um, we, we talk about the seasons changing. It's now dark outside. You don't have as much light coming in. These are all things that if you if you don't think about to some degree, you could really get, you know, find yourself in a, in a tough spot because it's going to, going to affect your team differently. As we move into this holiday season, what do you suggest for, you know, owners, leaders out there that do have responsibilities over their team just to kind of keep a check on what's going on and this natural changing of year, end of year type of uh, time? Yeah, so it, it's signs or symptoms is kind of where I go into this. Um, and so with the pattern that you are accustomed to that employee performing at, um, did that change? Uh, it could have been small increment kind of changes, or it could be something drastic. And what I mean by that is, let's say we, we, we have a Zoom meeting every Friday. And for the last six months, every Friday, their videos on, they're energetic. And then the next, the last two weeks, their video is not on. And now, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're still there, but then you're noticing a trend of where they, they talk less and less and less. So holidays and the idea of all, all this is, is to get us to think through, do we know our employees? And if we know them, then can we identify some red flags when their trend of performance goes down? or their trend of engagement goes down. There's something there that I think as a good leader, we can dive into and say, hey, you haven't put your video on, on the last two weeks. There's something going on, or, or are you okay? So I go back to trend analysis and, and signs and symptoms that show you there's something there because you know your employees. 
as as you do realize, hey, you know what, there is something going on. How how I'm not confrontational is probably not the right word, but how direct can I be in that conversation? both from a strict HR perspective, like, cause they may be dealing with personal stuff that may not be business related. Is that any of my business as a leader of an organization or is that hands off? And then not necessarily from a strict HR, but just, I want to have a great culture here. You know, how far can I push that employee to open up about things that may not be work related, but is it clearly making an impact on their performance? The employee will tell you what that line is. And so if you go to it and you start asking questions about, hey, how come you haven't had your video on? And they kind of shut you down from the beginning. Okay, that, that's my line. But if they go, well, you know, I, I, you know, I had this, this go on and, and I didn't tell you about this, but this is what happened, uh, you know, yesterday. And, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of struggling a little bit with that. Okay. Well, now, now that line is it's not a hard line. Now I can I can I'm, I have the freedom because of their feedback to me. Okay, they're okay for us to talk about this a little bit. And at that point, we're building some trust. Building some we're trust. We're establishing this as a safe place. You can talk about these things if you feel open to talk about them. But sometimes their performance has gotten to the point where it there needs to be a serious conversation. How? How much freedom do I have as the leader to say, like, look, I understand that things suck at home or wherever it is, but this has got to change. How, how, what's my, what's, how much rope do I give them? Yeah, it, it's, there's not a, a one clear answer, right? It, it goes into maybe you need to be in the house more this week to, to help with that you know, outside issue that's really affecting your performance inside. Um, so again, it's just more conversations. It's, it's, we've, we recognize something. I'm not a mind reader. You've got to come to me now that I'm asking you, hey, what's going on? Your performance has dropped. And if they have a valid reason, then let's talk about it. Hey, how can I help you with that? Because we have an agreement. You do your work. I pay you. Yeah. You're not doing your work. So I- <laughs> there's only so long I can continue to pay you. So let's, let's figure this out. Let's, let's. It sounds like this all goes back to the type of culture that you're trying to build. Are we wanting uh, to build a place that people feel safe, there's trust is established, we're going to give grace when grace is needed? Um, and, and In space, when space is needed. Sure, yeah. sure, absolutely. And the hard, where, where I always struggle with this is because, I mean, we that's what we're trying to do here. We also have a high-performing team of people that, have to get stuff done and to the extent that one team member is failing then that work gets shifted onto the team as a whole and so what what i what i tell my team whenever you know we have issues that pop up it's your team will support you they're going to have your back because that's what we that's what we do here but when you start to take advantage of that they're going to be really quick to drop you and so you have to be kind of aware enough to know if I'm struggling, I maybe need to share something with my team that's gonna that's gonna maybe garner some empathy when you know as as it's due. Versus, you know, if I just try to go lone wolf in this, it's going to really you're gonna burn some bridges. Right. So you hope that you're down when someone's when someone else is up, and then you're hoping that you're up when that person yeah. is down. Um, and so it's a give and take 
kind of thing. And so uh, if you're building that type of culture in your team, yeah, that, that's exactly what we want. I'm okay to be down this week because I just, I, I just need it. Yeah. But that's okay because two weeks ago I was up when that person needed me. Yep. Yep. Uh, push and pull. There's a, there's a balance of, of, of that all around. And hopefully that, you know, if you're a leader that is that has a good understanding of the culture that you're trying to build and, and you're intentional about that, as well as you have a good pulse and feel for how people are thinking, what they're saying, and the culture that, you know, the real life culture that, that you guys are, are living in. Hopefully you can marry those those two things to be able to have the conversation to say, hey, Greg, you know what? Your performance has sucked recently. What's going on? Help me understand. Yeah. Um, uh, or, hey, you know what? Mike's performance has sucked really bad, and I need I need some I need some help, and uh, and the team's going to rally around. So, good conversation, Greg. If you guys are out there listening and you guys uh, are are struggling with some of this stuff in your team, feel free to reach out. We would love to continue the conversation. You could do that by emailing us at one step better at patrickaccounting.com. Or you could leave us a comment wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast. And please remember to make sure that you click subscribe so that you'll never miss another episode. It drops every single week. I believe it's on Wednesday so that you can uh, you can tune in and hopefully hear some good advice, uh, at least uh, some empathy from people that are going through some of the same struggles that you guys are going through in your organization. So thank you guys for joining us. And until next week, have a great day. 